Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep, I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. This is Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And welcome to Dinner Table Politics. Should I start every Dinner Table Politics saying yo, yo, yo? No, I should start every Dinner Table Politics saying yo, yo, yo. Okay. It would seem disingenuous if you said it. It would be disingenuous if I said it. Speaking of disingenuous if somebody said it, what about Donald Trump saying... Ooh, nice. Nice segue there. Nice segue. Well, that's the only thing anybody's talking about. And right. The idea that Trump is saying that the Russians are more reliable than the United States intelligence services about what happened in the 2016 election is really just astonishing that, a, that any president would say this. And what's astonishing to me is that so many Republicans are standing behind him, although to their credit, many others are not. What does that do to you? Um... Impeach Trump was twen- was trending was trending on Twitter yesterday. That was weird. It's it feels like we're living in like a like a Mission Impossible movie. Not as exciting, but just with like all the boring politic like exposition stuff. You know, yeah, oh, that's so what it feels. The beginning like. in the movie before Tom yeah Cruise before before Tom Cruise yeah before Tom Cruise like is leaping out of airplanes and stuff. We're just like dealing with all like the the dumb politics stuff. Well, so who's going to be leaping out of airplanes when all this is over? Uh, Melania, I think. Melania is? Yeah. Okay. Melanie, you mean. That's how Donald Trump spelled her name on oh, Twitter. Oh, that is unfortunate. Yes. You know, my, my lovely wife, Melanie. Anyway, um, well, today I was reading an article called This Sad, Embarrassing Wreck of a Man oh. by George Will, who is... Tell what? us how you really feel, George Will. Right. Sheesh. Well, George Will was... I mean, he, he has been a reliable conservative his whole life, and he wrote a column not long ago saying that it's essential to not vote for Republicans in the midterms in order to deny Donald Trump any more power. But here he's talking about how Donald Trump, he says, America's child president had a play date with a KGB alumnus who surely enjoyed providing daycare. Now we shall see how many <laughs> Republicans retain a capacity for embarrassment. Uh, he That's about- a pretty mean first. Well, Donald Trump has said worse, but it's crazy that we've gotten to this point where like in these national newspapers, like this is in the Washington Post. That's that's how we talk about our president. Like. Well, you've always had people talking about presidents in these terms. I guess so, but this is like the first time, at least that I've noticed, that it's like just so, this is just the norm now. Well, I need to take you back to when Obama was Hitler, according to the Tea Partiers. 
Well, that was, yeah, one fringe group was calling Obama that, but now pretty much everyone is is feeling the same way and talking about him in these same terms. Right. I'm not criticizing it. Like, no. he, he deserves most of it, but... Well, you've had um, Republicans coming out, and Newt Gingrich, who has written a book talking about the greatness Newtie of... Newtie Boy, Trump. that's what I call him. Newtie Boy? Yeah. Did you meet him when he came out for Dad's campaign? I don't remember. Oh, he's a very, very pleasant man, up close and personal. But, Good old uh, Nudie boy. <laughs> I'm dropping names there. But Newt has called this the, the biggest mistake of Trump's presidency. It needs to be rectified immediately. And uh, John McCain said... How would, how would you rectify this? Well, he tried to go out and say that uh, at, one point, <laughs> at one point he said, why would Russia meddle in the election? And he said what he meant to say was, why wouldn't Russia oh. meddle in the election? See... Just, you know, the exact now opposite. that is a really unfortunate slip of the tongue. Right. Well, it wasn't a slip of the tongue, clearly. I mean, obviously. Clearly, this, I was being sarcastic. Clear, clearly. 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 Right. Were you literally being sarcastic? No, I don't know. I don't know how that works. John McCain said right after this happened, today's press conference in Helsinki was one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president in memory. And Jeff Flake said, I never thought I would see the day when our American president would stand on the stage with the Russian president and place blame on the United States for Russian aggression. So Republicans, this is what's unique, is you could expect that kind of rhetoric from the opposition party. But now Republicans are starting to step up and and take an interest in this. But the, the most fascinating element of this entire thing that no one is talking about, or at least some people are talking about, but not as much as they need to, is the whole um, thing that is going on with Bill Browder. Are you familiar with Bill Browder? Um, I've heard you mention his name. I haven't read. I know he has a book. Right. Red Notice. Red Notice. I haven't read the book. Yeah. Your grandfather, that was the last book he read in his life. And uh, when we all gathered around him in the last few weeks of his life, he he urged us all to read Red Notice because it was the best explanation of what's happening in Russia. And particularly, and and he told us to do that before all of this Russian meddling, uh, the whole investigation or even any allegations had even come out. I hope I have like a good last book that I read so my grandkids can be like, oh, the last book my grandmother read was this Cool, I don't know, Paul, but more likely I'll like reread Twilight on my deathbed or something. And that won't be a good story. <laughs> so will they all come to you and you say, read Twilight? Is, this, is that your plan? No, I'll just, it's, it's not that it's a great book. I'll just be bored and want something to do. And I'm not going to have enough energy to read a dense political book. I'll want just to reread the story of Bella and Edward. Well, Bella and Edward deserve to be, I don't know. I read the, I read the first Twilight and that was enough. I only read it because your mother is from Port Angeles, Washington. I don't know. I guess my point is just that Grandpa is cooler and smarter than me. And okay. I, I'm not going to read Red Notice on my deathbed. All right. Well, I was going to give you my review of Twilight, but... Uh, I don't think anyone really wants that, to be honest. <laughs> You're right. Well, the thing that's interesting about Red Notice is... So, Bill Browder, just a little bit of background on Bill Browder. Bill Browder was a hedge fund manager or an investment banker who went into Russia after the fall of the Berlin Wall. For the first, he was the first investor. Wait, so why are we talking about Bill Browder, though? Take a step back. Because Bill Browder's experience puts all of what Vladimir Putin is doing in context. Okay. So um, 
Well, uh, so just a little bit of background. So he went into Russia and created a hedge fund or created investments based on Russian assets for the first time, because prior to the, to the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, there were no Russian assets being traded in the West, or very few. And he created an environment where he essentially went into a fresh uh, and open market that had never been tapped before and made billions of dollars. And what he discovered was a great deal of corruption and that uh, most of the money in Russia is controlled by a handful of oligarchs. I'm telling you, Mission Impossible. Yeah, this is, it's all Mission Impossible stuff. The, the, are there any Mission Impossibles in Russia? I'm trying yeah, to think back. There's that one where he, like the, I think Ghost Protocol. Is that in he, Russia? He, like, blew up some building in Russia. I don't know. It doesn't okay. matter. Where was the building that he ran down the side of it? That's not Russia. No, that wasn't in Russia. Well, Bill Browder went in and made a whole bunch of money, and a lot of these oligarchs uh, started to try, essentially try to steal it. And Putin stepped in and stopped it. And so for a while, Bill Browder and Putin were on the same page. They're buddy-buddy. Until Putin decided Bill Browder's making way too much money and I want a big chunk of it. So Bill Browder claimed that Putin, uh, I'm sorry, Putin claimed that Bill Browder had not paid $230 million in taxes and seized the assets of his company, froze Bill Browder out of returning to Russia. Why would he have to pay taxes to Russia? Well, I, 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 we're getting into the weeds on this, but the, the reality is that there was absolutely no re- legal reason or legal justification for what Putin did. He okay. essentially just manufactured, you owe the Russian government $230 million. We're going to freeze all why of your not, assets. Why wouldn't you manufacture and say you owe the Russian government $240 million? Well, why he was, 230 Well, he was essentially saying, we're going to freeze all of your assets. I mean, as soon as they lev- levied that against him, Bill Browder got all of his assets out of Russia and got all of his people out got of Russia. Got the heck out of Dodge. Except he got all of his people except his attorney. Oh, who was a Russian attorney by the name of Sergei Mignitsky. Mignitsky. Mm, killed that pronunciation. Sir, Sergei Mignitsky. How's okay, that? Just, let's call him. Can you pronounce it any better? Let's just call him Serg. Well, his last name's important. Mignitsky okay. is the name that's Mc, important. Okay, Mignitsky. Because Sergei Mignitsky says, you haven't done anything wrong. Russia's my home, and I'm going to stay here and fight this. And... And they kept saying, get out, get out. And he said, no, I refuse. I'm going to stay here and fight this. And what happened was that they arrested Magnitsky and they tortured him for weeks Ah, on end. How do we know that? Because they filmed a show trial where they tried to get him to confess to all of these crimes that he hadn't committed. I mean, this was a huge international outrage. And so they tortured and killed Magnitsky. And so Bill Browder decided that the rest of his life was going to be spent finding justice for Sergei Magnitsky. And he went to Washington, D.C., and he went to Canada, and he went to a number of other governments. So wait, what, where originally is this Bill guy from? What country? Originally, he's from the United States. He's a British citizen now. Okay. I don't know if that happened before or after the passage of the Magnitsky Act, which we're going to talk about here. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to discuss the details of the Magnitsky Act. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm sure you are, but it's good stuff. Hold on. You're still on the edge of your seat? Okay, Magnitsky Act. Let's the go. The Magnitsky Act was an act that fr- that freezes the assets of human rights violators 
of other countries and essentially froze the assets of Putin in the United States and Putin's cronies in the United States. Putin has a number of assets that are offshore that nobody knows how rich he is. Bill Browder thinks he's the richest man in the world. Oh, my gosh. That he's embezzled more. I mean, isn't Jeff Bezos? Amazon guy. Amazon. He's like worth $150 billion. Something like that. Well, Putin's worth more. And yet they're still raising the prices of Prime. <laughs> That's right. Gosh dang it, Jeff. How much is Prime? Right now it's like a hundred, I don't know, I think I have a student discount, but I think normally it's like around a hundred bucks a year, and I think they're raising it to like a hundred and thirty bucks a year. Oh, okay. So he'll be even richer. Well, I don't know that Putin had anything to do with that. Well, if he did. We can try to blame him for it. But the reality is that Putin saw a whole lot of his assets being frozen, and he saw the entire world essentially turning against him, and was furious. And the reason why... Americans are no longer allowed to adopt Russian children is because of the Magnitsky Act, because Putin didn't have any kind of recourse after all of this, except for to find some way to punish Americans. And so he he punishes the children of his own country. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Putin is solid logic, Putin, solid logic. So Putin has tried very hard to get Bill Browder back into the country. And do you remember during the campaign when they talked about Donald Trump Jr. meeting with Russian officials who claimed to have dirt on Hillary. Do you remember that? I I remember it coming out recently. I don't remember it during the election, but I remember people talking about it recently. Well, during the campaign... uh, They met in Trump Tower, right? I think so, yeah. But, But they came back and said, look, it was no big deal because all they wanted to do was talk about Russian adoptions. And for anybody that understands the background of the Magnitsky Act, what they were really talking about was trying to get the Magnitsky Act repealed. And why, the, why, though? Why does Donald Trump Jr. care about that? Well, Donald Trump Jr. didn't care about it and didn't understand it. Donald Trump Jr. came out and said, no, no, this meeting was nothing. All they wanted to talk about was adoption. Oh, but he's just... He went into the meeting thinking, oh, they've got dirt on Hillary Clinton. Okay. And so that's, you know... That's evidence of collusion, but he comes back and says, no, there was no collusion because all they wanted to talk about was adoption. But what they're really talking about is the Magnitsky Act. They're talking about repealing the Magnitsky Act. That is Vladimir Putin's number one goal. So why do I bring all this up in the wake of the summit? I'm I'm sure you're asking that question. Yeah, definitely. Are you? Yeah, what's the answer? Well, the answer is that that, uh, Vladimir Putin said that he would allow... Robert Mueller to bring over investigators investigating Russian meddling in the 2016 election and allow him to question the 12 Russian nationals that have been charged in the Mueller investigation on one condition. And that condition is that Donald Trump turn over Bill Browder to him. Ooh, that's spooky. That gives me chills. I know. You know what that actually reminds me of? Not not to downplay the seriousness of this whole situation, but it reminds me of the Battle of Hogwarts when Voldemort's like, just give me Harry Potter and I'll spare <laughs> the rest of you. That's exactly what it is. I think Putin does bear a lot of resemblance to Voldemort in more ways than one. Well, I think that's very true. I don't know if Bill Browder bears any resemblance to um, Harry Potter. But Bill Browder has talked about all of this, and but but can, does Donald Trump even have the power to to turn over Bill Browder? He does not, and I think that's one of the reasons why Bill Browder has renounced his American citizenship and is now a British citizen. Oh, he's always he's hanging out in the UK. He's hanging out in the UK, and he hasn't told anybody where he is. He's, Good, keep that up. 
This is also like when Harry and Ron and Hermione are like looking for horcruxes and then they like tune into that one radio station, you know, like the secret one. And they're yeah. like, if you can hear us, Harry, don't give up. Yeah. That's a, if you can hear me, Bill. Right. Keep on keep on hiding. Well, he's he's not quite as bad as Harry in that he's writing articles for Time magazine. Oh, so it's not that we're hearing from he's him. not that undercover. Well, he he says there are eight other countries. This is Bill Browder in a Time magazine um, article that he wrote. Uh, since twenty since twenty twelve, Putin has made it perhaps his largest foreign policy priority to have the Magnitsky Act repealed, but none of his efforts have worked. Not, not only has it not been repealed, it's spread to six additional countries, including the United Kingdom, Canada, the Baltic States, and Gibraltar. Ha ha. Gibraltar. There ha ha, eight, Putin. There are eight other countries with Magnitsky acts on deck. Sweden, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Denmark, Australia, South Africa, and Ukraine. The Magnitsky Act is going viral, and countries that have Magnitsky acts are sanctioning Putin's cronies, who I imagine soon will be sanctioned by other countries as well. So it's it's bizarre to me... What, what's so amazing to me is just how blatant Putin's contempt for Browder is. And because what does Putin get if he actually gets Browder back? He just gets the opportunity to kill him. Ugh. That and, is like, ugh. Again, getting what Bill Browder doesn't, doesn't repeal the Magnitsky Act. Right. It just gives Putin the opportunity to put him on a show trial and execute him. You think that would like be even worse for Putin, though, then, in the eyes of the world? Well, I think, it, well, absolutely, and I think it is, and I think the eyes of the world are looking at Putin and Trump, and they recognize Putin for who he is, and they also recognize Trump for who he is. That's why this whole summit is so colossally embarrassing, is that Putin is not making even the most cursory effort to disguise what a terrible, awful human being he is, and what a dictator, and what a monster he is. And here we have the President of the United States going, well, you know, he's a very strong leader. He's very good. You know, I'm really impressed by this guy. I'd like having lunch with him. You know, it's just stunning to me that we have reached a point in the United States where this is who our President is, and this is what we're doing. The President also... The other thing that we're not talking about as much in the wake of just how awful the summit was, but the day before the summit, the president was asked questions about who our foes are on the world stage. Okay. Do you know what his answer was? Who would you say our foes are on the world Mm, stage? Russia, the other people. Russia and other people. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Terrorists in general. Okay, so Russia. Global warming. Mosquitoes, definitely. (laughs) Where would you put the European Union on that list? Uh, very low. They're not our foe. They're our ally. And, right. And Donald Trump called them a foe. Oh, the, wh- why? Be, well, because Donald Trump, uh, this, is, this is a holdover of his trade policies. He says the European Union is a foe in trade. Donald Trump is incapable of seeing any negotiation, any trade negotiation, as anything other than distributive as opposed to integrative. Okay. Uh, well, so a, lot a, dis- of, a lot of good buzzwords there. Well, I, I learned them in business school. Are you mm, impressed? Yeah. Well, an integrative trade... It's finally coming in handy, that degree. That's right. An integrative trade is the kind of trade that Stephen Covey used to call a win-win. Right? You sit down and negotiate and you try to find the best arrangement for both people. And usually those are the kinds of things that you do when you have a long-term relationship with somebody. You know, when I sit down and negotiate with your mother, 
I, I recognize that this is not going to be the only negotiation we're going to have over the course of our lives. And so we both try to find ways for everybody to benefit the best possible way. Okay. A distributive trade is when you have a fixed amount of assets. Win-lose. Win-lose, and you have to fight over who gets the most. Okay. And Donald Trump is incapable of seeing any negotiation as anything but a distributive trade. So you negotiate. He should have gotten an MBA. He should have gone to school. He did get an MBA, I think, and he's a very stable genius. Did you know that? He said that, yes. He said that a number of times, though. Uh, I think he does have an MBA. He has a, probably a more prestigious MBA than I do. But the reality is that he does not understand that negotiations with the European Union and with China and with Canada and all of the countries that he's placed tariffs on, uh, they are not distributive negotiations because this is not the last time we're ever going to deal with it. Okay, but, but trade is one thing. Why... Why is he so easily like swayed to say to believe the Russian people over our own intelligence agencies? Why does he do that? Is it because he's too embarrassed to admit that maybe his win wasn't as like amazing as he'd like to like why why does he say stuff like that? Well, what does he gain from his relationship with Putin? Well, there are, there are several theories about that, some more conspiratorial than others. Uh, the evidence, just the evidence of what he said, regardless of like any evidence to back it up, would suggest that he's beholden to the Russians for some reason. Hmm. So does that mean that they have dirt on him? Does that mean they have videotapes of him doing terrible things in Russian hotel rooms that was talked Ooh. about? Uh, I think, I think a little bit more is exactly what you were talking about with regard to his thinking that any kind of acknowledgement that the Russians were involved uh, delegitimizes his election in a way that he's not willing to accept. And he is not capable of dealing in nuance. So it's going to be amazing to see where this goes going forward. Do you have any predictions? Um, besides Melania jumping out of an airplane somewhere? That's the best prediction that you've made so far. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Well, we'll be here to keep you updated. And this is Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And we'll see you next week on Dinner Table Politics. Bye-bye.